Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who have been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. All right, welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast. This is episode 61. I am your guest host today, Josh Hovey from Martin Waymeyer. Joining us today, we have Jevin Weinberg from Lake Effect. Jevin, how are you doing today? Very good, Josh. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the time today. Yeah, thank you. And uh, my fellow co-host today, we have Tom Beller from Real Leaf Solutions. Tom, what's up? Gentlemen, oh, it's a beautiful day. Just working through some technical difficulties. Uh, doesn't quite feel like a Friday, but but here we are. Excited to to jump in here with Jevin. It's uh, it's never a podcast without a few technical difficulties. So uh, <laughs> our our fearless co-host Ryan Basor is out today, and I'm happy to be filling in. Um, you know, I, I first met Jevin way back when helping to get the Michigan Cannabis Industry Association started. He was one of the first board members to to join the association and really has been instrumental in, in getting to, to the point where it is today. Um, Jevin, you are the co-owner of Lake Effect. Um, you're also uh, you know, a medical marijuana um, patient from in the past. Um, why don't you describe your, your kind of journey into the industry and, and cannabis in general and give our listeners just a, a little background about yourself? Sure, thanks, Josh. Um... I'll basically start in 2013 um, to, to, to say, start from the beginning of the story, I should say. I was picking my daughter up out of her car seat when she was three years old and getting ready to walk into the grocery store. And um, her foot just kind of swung down um, when I was picking her up out of the car seat and it caught me right in the, in the left hoo-ha. And um, the pain in that in that area didn't go away for for a while and it wasn't that hard of a hit so um i happened to be just sitting at sitting down one day and i'm like why is this pain not going away in my left hoo-ha and uh i said i I should probably go get this thing checked out so um i went and got it checked out and and uh about a day later i found out there was a tumor in there and that i had testicular cancer and you know things started happening fast after that um surgery came uh, a few days after that and um the 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 specimen got, so to speak, got sent off to the Mayo Clinic to be tested for what type of cancer um, it was and how, how much it, a CT scan followed up to see how much it spread and, and things like that. But um, being 33 years old and and a new father and and all that, it was it was definitely quite the eye opener, but um, and, and unexpected. But um, I had uh, served in the Marines for eight years, and that included two tours of of duty over in Iraq. So. I've, I learned to roll with the punches at an early age, and and uh, I knew that uh, I was healthy at the time. I was actually training for the Tough Mudder, the first Tough Mudder that was going to be at uh, Michigan International Speedway uh, later that summer. So I was running five and six miles a day, um, even with that going on and, and not having any symptoms. But uh, luckily, my daughter kicked me at the right time and got me in, and they found it early. And um, I ended up having to do about six months of chemo. Um, no radiation or anything, but um, after that, I uh, they, they said I had a good prognosis, and um, it's, knock on wood, it's been a good prognosis so far. 
Uh, but uh, cannabis really helped me get through that the six months of chemotherapy that that uh, about halfway through that you know the, that stuff is very cumulative over time and uh, nausea was hitting me hard appetite loss w- was hitting me hard I mean my wife was telling me you got to eat you got to eat and and your your mind just really plays a lot of tricks on you when you're going through chemotherapy when you're sitting there for hours a day letting poison come in your body um, it really starts to place tricks on you and, and when you go to eat your mind just thinks well you're putting more poison in me. You can't. You don't want to eat um, amongst all the other drugs that you have. But cannabis really um, stimulated my appetite almost instantaneously through all of that. Got, took the nausea away. That was really debilitating. Uh, took a lot of the chronic pain issues that I had away instantaneously, and and took a lot of the sleeplessness issues I had away. And that was just me getting from the unregulated market, so to speak. I didn't know a caregiver at the time. There's nobody at the cancer center saying, "Hey, go find a caregiver." You know, I had to do my own research and education and find out that, hey, this number one. Once I realized how good the medicine was, um, I had to. I couldn't believe how how much um, it was kept really from the people that needed it most. I'm, I'm doing chemo in a in a cancer center with hundreds of people in it, you know, and, and I'm probably one of the, for the few that's using cannabis as a medicine. I know I was. Yeah. Um, uh, so, let me, so let me ask you this. Um, were there certain products that you, was it, was it flour or was it um, a concentrate or what, what were the products that you, you were able to find on the unregulated market at that time? It was just flour and, and my uncle had um, colon cancer that he was getting over and he was going to Ann Arbor for that. And he happened to have some cookies and some brownies that were probably old and and they were stale but they were medicated and and uh that was that was really the only edibles i had during the time i was doing chemo but um, i kept educating myself through that and and uh understanding what the market was like um but but when i was done with uh, my treatment and stuff um, then i started uh, going to stores and and lansing and ann arbor and and educating myself on what was going on there and looking at more, uh, I would say less unregulated product that, that I was getting in Ziploc bags and, and more regulated products that, that were grown by people that were growing better than the people I'm sure I was getting stuff from and, and things like that. So, uh, but by that point I was getting healthy. I knew I had to find a way to get involved in, in the industry because of how good the medical aspect of the plant was. And so okay. I just, and I at, just, at what point, um, did you, you know, you say I have to, I have to do this. Like this is, this is, you know, my, my, my life's work is now going to be cannabis. Yeah, that, that was definitely a point in which I was, I was doing chemotherapy. And then I knew when I got done with chemotherapy, I was going to smoke a bowl and I was going to feel great. And, and everyone around me in that room wasn't going to have that feeling. They were going to go home and they were going to regurgitate whatever they ate. Probably they were going to feel like crap. They, they were going to have all of the bad symptoms that you don't want with chemotherapy is what they were going to be going through. And the medicine that the doctors were giving me prescription medicine wasn't doing anything to take away any of those symptoms, even though I was taking it. Um, so that's really what lit the fire inside me that, that, uh, it really hasn't gone out since, but, um, it, it's, 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 it's a phenomenal that we have this plan on earth and, uh, it's too bad it was made illegal 80 years ago, uh, cause we'd be so much further along right now, but, um, I'm super excited about what the future uh, has to hold. So no doubt, no doubt. What, at what point did that, um, uh, did you decide to start or become a part of the Lake Effect group then? Was that kind of like a motivating factor for you? Yeah, so when I started getting healthy and looking for ways to become involved in the industry, I just was basically emailing or calling anybody that saw pop up on on a, on a media article regarding cannabis. And so that led to a few different people 
Uh, one of them was Justin Palmatier, who has him, whose mom had started a testing lab in Kalamazoo, really state of the art, way ahead of their time, and and was doing some phenomenal work there. And um, it was just kind of we had a, a building owner that was willing to give us a lease that kind of knew what we wanted to do. Um, partnering up with Justin and, and Steve locally, um, they brought they were the caregivers that brought a lot of great medicine to the table, and and we just said, hey, um, we're we're going to push this issue by by pushing it commercially um, you can only have so much effect pushing the issue in a non-commercial way um, you you really push the issue and make people look at you when you open up a commercial establishment and that obviously didn't go well for a lot of people we were lucky enough to to when we did open up a commercial establishment we worked with the local authorities as much as we possibly could stayed transparent as much as we possibly could and luckily we had a mayor and a city council that was on our side as well and uh, they allowed us to essentially stay open uh, as long as the state was allowing us to stay open and um, go towards licensing. So um, we, we ran that store as best we possibly could. We had great teammate, team members and teammates there the whole time, people that were real advocates that really cared about everything, every patient that walked through that door. Um, we, we gave every tour to every city council that you could possibly imagine and, and any other official that wanted to see what we did, um, how we brought caregiver product in, how it was being tested, and just tried to educate people along the way as much as possible. And, and there was a lot of great people that were, were interested in having an open mind about it and seeing the good things it was doing. And, and certainly hundreds of people at city council meetings advocating for the plant and advocating for us to be able to stay open helped uh, immensely as well. Uh, but pushing that issue forward, going into going into licensing, dealing with the licensing board, being on the advisory panel and, and trying to I mean, I can I remember my first advisory panel meeting. I'll never forget it. And I talked to David Harns and, and Andrew Briswell about this every once in a while because they were in the room kind of wide eyed. And um, but we got in that room and, and it was like October 29th or 28th. And, and the, the whole industry was basically facing shutdown on October 30th. Um, pending a ruling by I think Judge Borello or something like that that was going to be an extension of an extension of an extension of nobody could even keep track of how many extensions were being given to, to businesses that were operating in gray areas and stuff like that but um, we went in there there was probably 16 people or so on that advisory panel board and most of them were lawyers prosecutors former police officers, police officers. Uh, Shelly Egerton started off as the chair of that board who was the head of Lara at the time and I just went in there and I had to fight. I, you felt like you feel like being the only patient advocate in there on that board. You're the you're backed into a corner and they want to shut the industry down. They, you know, it's unregulated. There's dangerous things going on, blah, 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 blah. They, none of them have no, knew anything about cannabis other than the, the negative stigmas that they've seen over the years for the most part. And uh, I tried to, to get chairman of that board. Um, uh, I thought better of it as we kept going through the voting process. <laughs> uh, but uh, they, uh, I volunteered for all of the subcommittees that came from that board and really helped, um, uh, I think, put together a good law in coordination with the state um, that we ended up rolling out. It is, is it perfect? Heck no. But uh, I think we got a good chance of getting it continuously better. That's what's great about the MICIA and, and the advocacy work they do in that regard. Um, but it's it's a much better state law than most states that can say that, that they have. There's no doubt about that. And uh, Andrew really took an open mind and understood. He, he tried to do, I think, the best he could do to keep small businesses going, state locally owned small businesses going. It's not easy. Certainly the federal hurdles are, are really hard on people, as, as you guys know. 
um, not being having access to capital through traditional banking, it kills a lot of people. The slow, expensive licensing process, you know, everyone, a lot of people don't realize that if you're trying to be an owner in this business or even a property owner, it takes so long to get licensed. Somebody's got to pay for that property to sit there uh, and lose money while you're going through all that licensing process. And uh, it's all cash. There's no, hey, I'm going to put together a great business plan and go in front of this bank and I'm going to show you it's been done all over the country. We're going to make hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars and and look at you know we got the staff ready we got the building and they're just going to laugh you right outside the outside the outside the bank um so you gotta you gotta find cash from somewhere or these private equity firms or something like that that'll come in but it you know that costs you so much usually and, and then you gotta and then even if you do get something like that it, it only uh just slowly uh it doesn't mean you're at the finish line you still got to get to the finish line and then make sure that a lot of that money's repaid back very quickly so right you don't um, want to give away the farm yeah the barriers to entry are i was gonna say the barriers to entry are extremely high still even i mean you're you're talking about back in the day with the board and everything i mean that was extremely difficult and and stressful but even now it's like all these things are great points you know it's extremely expensive the barrier to entry even though michigan has one of the more progressive cannabis <clears throat> programs as far as a regulatory body is concerned. Um, it It is not an inexpensive uh, venture by any means. And the, yeah, the traditional um, lines of credit and things that people would typically have access to are not there. They're still not there. And uh, which will lead people to, in a pinch possibly, leverage everything that they've worked hard for and basically give it to somebody else in order to stay afloat and uh, these are all things that need to be especially if we're trying to be inclusive as an industry and bring caregivers in and get that get the products that we need on the market and the regular you know in order to normalize things uh you know something needs to be done but it also is an expensive it's expensive to run a cannabis company. I mean, aside from the regulatory fees and all of the things that are um, atypical, uh, just your standard operating costs and everything are, uh, you know, you may not be exactly what people uh, put down on their pro formas per se. Right, you know? right. Well, I mean, I, mean, I run a, a public relations and communications company and, you know, like cash flow is something you're always looking at as a business owner. Um, you know, you're always looking at your projections, but you guys have to must be incredibly conservative with the way that you run much more so than a traditional business. Right. Because like you guys say, like you can't just go to the bank and get a line of credit necessarily. So, um, you know, talk about those strategies a little bit. Yeah, well, don't go negative. That's <laughs> uh, when you're on a cash business. Uh, don't go negative. That's that's what. It's, you're always looking at that bank account, and you got to uh, figure that against payroll. And 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 it's just you take you have to take very. If you can take steps forward, that's all you're looking to do. No matter how big the step, just every day a small step forward, and you'll keep slowly gaining market share, slowly building your company. Uh, to the point where I, I, I'm sure the three of us would agree, you really you need a vertically integrated company to survive long term in the state of Michigan. And if you're not working in that direction, I, I think for the most part you're on borrowed time. Um, so our goal from really from day one, uh, when we even first opened Ape Lake, Lake Effect six years ago, was to become a vertically integrated company in this industry. Um, we had to work our way backwards. So we had the the provisioning centers, and, and then we opened a processor when uh, we could take in still taking caregiver product through our processor um and then uh from there have it tested and ship it to our stores 
um, and and now subsequently that you know that's that rule is gone. So we're making our own gummies in there, and we fill some cartridges in there. But we're also building out the grow, uh, which is the most in, in expensive part of it. And and we have the property, we've had the property, but it's it's a lot of money to build it out. It's a lot of extra cash, and it's pretty much that's where all of our any any money we might make if it doesn't go to taxes, it goes to building out our grow. So, um, but we're we're getting there. We're slowly building it out. We got some electrical work being done. We got some HVAC that's in coming in line um so it's it's just you try to write one check at a time and and you understand your budget um but uh we've been recreational now yeah slow and yep. steady yep definitely yeah. being recreational has helped up uh, uh help crank up the business so um it's just amazing the demand that's out there well let's talk about the the provisioning center a bit um how how is your experience as a a patient um how has that influenced your approach to to your provisioning center? Well, it's just, it's just what do you want to see? You know, I, I was that cancer patient that was looking for a lake effect. I was looking, I, I would have, lake effect would have been a godsend for me, and it was a godsend for a lot of people that had cancer after we got opened. Um, but you walk in, you, you're, it's a dignified, I, I, we started out, it's dignified access to medicine. That was my mantra in front of the, of the city councils a lot of time, dignified access to medicine. Um, 90% of the people out there don't know where to find a caregiver. You know, I love the caregiver network. It's great. It's phenomenal. People did a great job in that world and still do. Uh, but at the end of the day, the people that are going and having these serious ailments, they just, there's, there's no caregivers are us where they can go find one. So, um, that was really, you, you had to put your dignity as you, you really were treated like a second class citizen, as you guys know, needing cannabis medicine. And that was just something I wasn't going to stand for. And when, when you go preach a little common sense and uh, to the the people around Kalamazoo and Portage um, they understand I think what cannabis means and there's a lot of great advocates here that helped educate them and like I said they took an open mind so um, I think you can really see a great blossoming industry around this area I know Kalamazoo's industrial park is getting buildings built in it millions of dollars spent Harbor Farms built a phenomenal grow out here in Processor um, Seven Point Supply is out here building in an industrial park that hadn't had one building built in it in Kalamazoo in 15 years and was just sitting empty and now you have hundreds of jobs in the industrial parks here good paying jobs uh and and great companies setting up shop that are going to be around for a long time so um it, it's great to see yeah it's amazing watching an entirely new industry just come into fruition and and all of the the benefits that um you know we we argued for um you know as as me working on the prop one campaign on, on like leading the, the communications of it you know I always wanted to be cautious of not overselling um, the benefits of the industry, um, but we always talked about the jobs and the tax revenue, um, you know, the the access to safe products. Um, all of that's happening, and it's it's it really is coming to fruition exactly as as everyone said it would. And so it's it's really just amazing thing to see. Um, you know, Definitely. going back to the caregivers though. Um, does your experience in terms of uh, working with with caregivers as, as a patient um, influence who you source products from in your provisioning center? Definitely. Yep. Anybody who is in the unregulated uh, market, who is now in the regulated licensed market, we want to work with. We under we have, uh, you know, it's 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 a lot like. <laughs> yeah. And we'd be happy to work with you, Tom. I'm not sure if we are or not right now, but um, send some menus our way, bud. But uh 
you know, we, it's a lot. It reminds me a lot of being in the Marines, honestly. And, and when you get back together with some of the guys on, on Veterans Day and things like that that you served with, there's things that you guys can talk about and joke about and laugh about and, and see eye to eye on that you just don't see eye to eye and, and uh, with anyone else because of the experiences you had. And, and a lot of that's the caregiver market, uh, you know, the the not being able to trust people around them, um, constantly having to worry about their grows being broken into and having plants stolen, especially when they're in flower. I mean, um, if you made it through that war zone and now you're in the licensed market trying to build a company and, and trying to, to put great medicine out there, um, kudos to you. And we'd love to work with you because your character, your heart stand out, your hard work stands out. And uh, those are those are some of the great companies that are out there. I mean, you guys know some of them. Um, you, some of you guys are some of them. <laughs> and uh, going back to what you said a little bit ago, Josh, you guys did a phenomenal job. The foresight you had to, 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 to write the law that you guys writ, wrote and got passed um by the people of the state of michigan uh, threading the needle between what can what the our very uh you know as <laughs> very non-cannabis friendly republican legislature was could have done um supreme court or any court along the way could have done um uh, scuttling that thing or continuing to delay it and uh you just you guys threaded a great needle and and then marketed it well and there was enough, I think, due to the basically the 2008 medical law passing, it, it leveled up the education level around the state of Michigan enough to get that rec law passed. So uh, kudos to you guys. There's there's tens of thousands of people that don't have a cannabis charge on their record over the last three years because of that law passing. Absolutely. And, you know, it's. Um, yeah, it's just been amazing to watch. Um, you know, and going back again to, um, you know, the caregivers and, and what folks had to go through in terms of, um, you know, always watching behind their back. Um, you know, that, that's the real reason why this industry is so much built on relationships and trust, right? I mean, um, it's unlike any other industry I've ever experienced where, um, you know, you, you work with people that you trust, you know, and you know that those folks have, have been through you know, similar experiences. And so when, when you're dealing with, you know, a, a corporate investor owned company who's like in it because they saw a business opportunity, it's entirely different from dealing with someone who was a caregiver and who was, um, you know, in the trenches and, and fighting the fight and, and risking everything to serve patients. So um, kudos to you for, for really backing up um, the, the caregiver side of the industry and, and supporting that. And I also, also want to thank you for your service. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing what uh, what veterans have been through um, and 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 the struggle to to access uh, cannabis as medicine. Do you want to you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, it's really sad. Unfortunately, it's kind of been uh, the unfortunate one of the unfortunate fallouts of the drug war. And many there's many of them out there. Uh, but veterans uh, being basically scorned, there's there's veterans i know that have lost access to other medications because of telling that being upfront with their doctor and being honest saying they were using cannabis there's veterans that can't get home loans and things like that through the veterans administration because of cannabis use that's ending now i i hope but that's the way it's been for a long long time so there's tons of discrimination against veterans when it comes to cannabis by our federal government um and it really hasn't ended very much uh, other than them saying well we won't we won't cancel your benefits if you may have PTSD benefits or something like that or some um, injury during your service. We won't cancel your benefits if you're using 
cannabis now, but we're not going to support or advocate for it, even though there's hundreds of veterans every day, maybe not hundreds every day, but there's veterans every day committing suicide. Uh, there's, I, there's veterans I know personally I serve with overseas, more than one, unfortunately, that have committed suicide. Uh, the, the VA hospitals are basically opioid factories. Uh, there's no secret. They'll tell you that. Uh, you go in there with, with any sort of ailment, a lot, they're going to try to send you out with an opioid. And, and uh, <laughs> there's no education around it. There's here, take this, and, and don't kill yourself, basically. So there's a long ways to go in, in uh, veteran uh, treatment and veteran education around cannabis. Um, I hope, and one day there, there will be, um, the, there will be greenhouses at VA hospitals where cannabis is grown and, and cannabis will be, uh, freely ad administered and prescribed through the VA hospitals. Um, when the, our racist discriminatory federal government gets off their ass and changes the laws, essentially, um, uh, it pisses me off beyond no other. Um, I will debate and argue with every doctor and psychologist I see at the VA when I go in there. I'll leave. I, I have veterans brochures and things that I've made myself that give some basic education on cannabis use uh, for symptoms. And I leave them in the VA waiting rooms when I go in there. I leave them on the tables and stuff like that. Um, but we got a long ways to go. And, and uh, it, it really, you know, the federal government is, is an excuse that a lot of our institutions like to use for not being able to do things right, uh, unfortunately. And uh, we're still in that spot uh, when it comes to, to veterans and cannabis use. It's interesting because, you know, a lot of the there seems to be a lot of touting of like they love to bring the veterans out and parade them when it they want to make an announcement to something like, oh, we're being we're going to give you this or we're allowing we're kind of you know, like you're saying like PTSD. OK, well, they have recognized it as something that could potentially help. And it's just like a microcosm of the general public. And, you know, just like the like you're saying, like the racist and uh, just the inherent um, uh, attitude towards cannabis users and the cannabis as a medicine, you know, they, it's it, when it suits them, they want to, they want to bring out the, the veterans and say, Hey, we're doing something. But in reality, what you're telling us is that it, it's all, it, it's all lip service for the most part, because people still can't access it. Um, I do believe that people should have a, a daily regimen of, of cannabinoids that, you know, will help them on a daily basis and especially people that have given everything for the country and then to have the, the government turn their back on them for on a simple plant medicine that can help change their lives is just it's inexcusable uh i mean i didn't really have a question for you but it's just you know it just seems like it's um it's only when it benefits people to you know to start saying oh, okay well we're gonna we're going to get behind the veterans now. It's like, you should always be behind them and you need to listen to people. And they say, I, I need this. It works. It's a plant. You know, what's the problem? Mm -hmm. Why can't we just, why can't we get away from that? Just because at the federal level that we have, you know, archaic laws uh, against a plant, it's, uh, it, it's, it's inexcusable and it's something that needs to change. Yep. I mean, you, you're hitting the nail on the head for sure, in my opinion, but, uh, there's where there's hundreds and thousands, there's thousands of doctors in the VA medical system. There's none advocating for cannabis use. Why not? Why aren't they? You know, they, they, they know it can make a difference. You know, I think of all the. Well, they're just worried about their jobs. Maybe? Yeah. I mean, are they? I mean, why? <laughs> why? I don't know. You know, yeah, right. you have an endocannabinoid right? system. What are, what are you doing with your endocannabinoid system? What, what are you learning about <laughs> it? 
What are you going to tell? You know, what right. what role does it have to play? Let's let's go here, people. It's 2021. I mean, come on. But mm-hmm. I think the same thing about and again, nothing nothing against law enforcement. Uh, and I I feel even a, a little out of place talking about it because I was never a police officer. But in, in that regard, I, I think of 80 years of cannabis possession arrests or or the smell of cannabis being used for probable cause. And, and none of those law enforcement officers, all of them took that gladly, took that power gladly and used it gleefully in ways that they and a lot of them shouldn't have used it. None of them were advocating for that law to change. Why? They, they saw what it was doing to inner cities. Why didn't they advocate for that to change? They saw what it was doing to even outside of inner cities, uh, everywhere. Uh, but but you know I think it's there's 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 just a whole mindset that's got to change, and and the fact that the federal government doesn't allow any education on it really is is a, a big part of it too, because um, they know if they oh, we're way behind, <laughs> way behind. Well, yep. I, I do have to mention the uh, one of the you know lesser reported aspects of Michigan's adult use cannabis law is that it does dedicate a percentage of tax revenue to researching how cannabis can help veterans with PTSD. And um, that's something that doesn't get enough attention and um, those research uh, funds are just becoming available. I believe that research is supposed to start next year. So um, hopefully we're going to see some some good results of that. And I, I believe the FDA approval on that research is just uh, in the process of, of happening. So. Um, yeah, well, also Michigan is uh, going to be offering, well, they're discussing a new license type, which is for specifically for research. Yeah, absolutely. And that's going to be that's going to be huge. And I, I really appreciate how Michigan's law is written to have that flexibility built in where we don't have to go back and amend it every little time that we want to make a change for a new license type or things like that. So I appreciate the drafters. Shout out to you know Matt Abel, Jamie Lowell, the folks who are on the drafting committee of the of adult use law, because um, they, they had the foresight to, uh, to think about those things and make sure that it was, had some flexibility built in. But um, I, I do also have to shout out, I just, I, I forgot to say at the beginning of the show, but um, Ryan from Redemption isn't here today, but Redemption is actually going to be at Lake Effect uh, this afternoon. Jevin, you want to give a shout out to that real quick? Yeah, I love having Redemption there. We're having a vendor day with them. Come on down to Lake Effect. I think it's from 3 to 7. Uh, there's going to be some great deals on Redemption products. Uh, 25% of the proceeds uh, from any redemption product will go to the Redemption Foundation, um, which uh, should end up being a substantial amount of money. So we're super excited about that. Um, uh, yeah, uh, come on down. It's a beautiful day. Love it. Love it. Yeah, the foundation's doing some great work working on uh, freeing cannabis prisoners remaining in the state, expunging records, giving people new opportunities. So uh, great organization. Thank you for supporting the cause. Definitely. Thanks for doing what you guys do. You guys are heroes out there. All right, and we're uh, we're about at time. Um, time for one last question, though, or, or a final statement. Tom, you want to shoot it off? I just um, I really enjoyed hearing your story today, Jeb, and I, I learned a lot about you. Uh, we've only met a few times, but uh, you know, just appreciate everything you do. Lake Effect was always my go-to store when I was in the Kalamazoo area before I even knew you guys. Uh, very knowledgeable staff always, and uh, you know, I'm just glad I was. <laughs> I was glad to hear your names, uh, you know, get through the board and everything. Um, when you guys finally got your approval, 
uh, it was an exciting day for us too because you know it, it it was I know the process I know the pain that you went through but uh, on top of it all the other things that you've had to uh, that you've endured throughout your life you know it's it's inspiring to hear and you're still smiling and that's a beautiful thing and we could probably thank cannabis definitely for that. yep thanks Tom and uh, uh, it's uh, I I plan on being in this industry the rest of my life so let's 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 do this same here keep an eye out for a menu do. All right, Jevin, any final thoughts you want to impart to the audience? Oh, man, just um, if uh, if you're out there looking to get in the cannabis industry, get, get in the cannabis industry. It, whether you're a worker, an owner, uh, any ancillary product and service, it's a great industry to be involved in, and it's going nowhere but up. We still have a long way to go. There's no area in Michigan that's saturated. There's no business category that's saturated. Get involved. Educate yourself. Um, and... Uh, and make the opportunity happen. Uh, but thanks a lot for your guys' time. Um, and uh, definitely we'll ha- would be happy to come on with you guys anytime. So Awesome. Well, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate lot, it. And uh, you're always welcome back. So thanks very much. And you guys have a great rest of the day. Have a great weekend. You too. Take it easy. The Smoke and Rope Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Ryan Basor, the owner of Redemption Cannabis. Have ideas for episode topics or would like to be a guest on the show? Contact us at ryanb at redemptioncanna.com. Thanks for being along for the journey.